Greetings, and thank you for checking out this message from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, visit kingdomlife.global. And now here's the message from our guest speaker, Dan Ivory. My name's Dan Ivory, and I'm going to be, uh, well, trying to bring you guys a message today. Uh, I've, got, uh, I've got notes uh, and all that good stuff, but... Um, this morning has been kind of back and forth, all over the place with what's been going on uh, inside my head. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to get trying to get this thing on and figuring. I kept putting it on backwards, and then I had like five things going through my head about the message. Then Margaret asked if I would uh, be up for prayer team, and I gave her like a terrible response because. I was, I was like completely confused with what was going on. I'm sorry about that, but I kind of, uh, yes? Uh, with a question mark, and I, like right afterwards, I went, that was ridiculous. Why did you say that? It's like a couple of weeks ago, um, I was in the mall with one of my daughters, and uh, we ran into uh, my son-in-law's sister. And... Um, She's walking by, and we stopped for a second uh, just to say hello. And I don't know, sometimes, like when you get older, sometimes things come out of your mouth, and you just stop, and you go, what was that all about? And I did that. I said, like, <clears throat> hey, what are you guys doing down here? Just chilling? <laughs> and, like, I work around kids all the time, but that's from, like, 10 years ago that kids were saying that, and like, as soon as I said it, I stopped, and I was like, what is the matter with you? And then as soon as, as soon as they walked away, I think I turned to whoever I was with, and I was like, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. I don't know what I was thinking, it just kind of came out, so uh, apologies all around uh, for, <laughs> for all that. Um, so this morning, uh, is kind of uh, going off on a tangent. If you guys were in Sunday school last week, I covered for Mick, and we, uh, we covered uh, a parable. And um, this is kind of a side road off of that parable. Because <clears throat> I think it's something, that, it's something that I have noticed that's kind of a big deal uh, in the church. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of talk about it. Um, but it's... It's something that's talked about, and it's talked about overtly, but it's not dug into uh, all that much. And the parable we were looking at is the parable of the talents found in Matthew chapter 25. And if you guys remember that parable, um, uh, a master is, is going away, and he takes uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of money, and he gives it to his servants. Uh, to the one, he gives five talents, which we did some math in Sunday school this morning. Uh, we talked about uh, somebody brought 10 talents. Uh, anybody do the math quick? How much is five talents worth? What did we say this morning? 10 talents was worth like $6 million in today's money, right? So the first guy, he gets three million bucks, right? Uh, the second one gets two and the last one gets one, each according to their ability, okay? So basically what that means is the master knows his servants, right? 
And he says, I'm not going to give you any more than you can handle. This is proportion to your ability. You can handle five, you can handle two, you can handle one. And then he goes on a journey, right? You guys remember the story? The guy with five talents, it says, immediately went out and put his master's money to work. That's how you know that guy can handle five talents. There's no time wasting. There's no, oh, what should I do with it? Immediately, he went out and put it to work, okay? Uh, the guy with two talents also put it to work. Uh, the guy that got one talent uh, went off and dug a hole and buried it. And it says the master was gone for a long time. He comes back, and it's time to settle accounts. What did you do with what I gave you, right? Uh, the guy with five, he gained five more, so he doubled the money, right? He gets the reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. I'm going to put you, faith, I'm going to put you in charge of many things, right? Uh, the guy with two comes back. He got two more, doubled his master's money. Uh, he gets the same acclamation as the first guy did. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful little. I'm going to put you in charge of much, right? So the focus of today <clears throat> is on the third servant. In Matthew 25, verses 24 and 25, says, Now the one who had received one talent also came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. So I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you still have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You worthless, lazy slave. Did you know that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my return, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. This is an excellent time to go into a discussion about what has God given you and what are you doing with it and someday you will give an account and all that kind of stuff, uh, but I don't really want to go there. Um, I want to look at the motivation behind the third servant. What was his motivation here? Shout it out. Fear, right? He was afraid, right? He knew his master was a hard man. Now let's, let's put to the side whether or not what he said about his master is true or not, okay? Obviously, his master was very successful, right? Obviously, his master expected a lot out of his servants, right? Um, that's a given, okay? Whether or not he understands his master's heart, you're a hard man, and it kind of seems like he's accusing him of wrongdoing, right? And he says, I knew you were a hard man, you did this, you did that, and so I was afraid. So, let's talk about fear today. Um, I'm not sure if this is going to be a real uplifting message. I think it is. <laughs> I think there's some good news here. Uh, but, typically, good news comes out of facing bad news, right? If you don't have any trouble... How can you know anything better, right? So um, 
The good news is coming. This is actually going to be a two-part series. I'll be back with you next week. Uh, and we're going to give the majority of the good news is next week, okay? But today, I think, is going to be very, very helpful, okay? So, fear. Uh, I looked up in the Old Testament and the New Testament, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek, so I kind of wanted to see the word for fear in the Old Testament. Does it mean the same as the New Testament? So, Old Testament uh, word for fear, yare, and it means to fear. Really, really helpful. Um, I had to go all the way down the page until it expanded on that a little bit, and it says, a fright, uh, to be or make afraid, dreadful, put in fearful reverence, or a terrible act. And that is the word that's used when it talks about the fear of the Lord, okay? Uh, New Testament, uh, the Greek word used in the New Testament, phobeo, means to put to flight, to terrify, or to frighten. Uh, if you're using it, you would say, I fear, dread, reverence, uh, that word's used again, I'm afraid, or terrified, okay? Okay? Uh, the question comes up, in relation to God, should we fear God? Should we be afraid of him? Should we have fear of the Lord? Uh, most of the time, uh, what I hear in the church is trying to take away fear of God. He's your father, he's... He's loving, he's merciful, he's graceful. He is all of those things, but he is also more awesome than you can possibly imagine. He carries with him holiness that is completely foreign to us. It's, we, we have no understanding of it whatsoever, right? What happened when an angel of the Lord appeared to somebody? Flat on their face, right? That's an angel, how infinitely more awesome is our God, right? We should fear the Lord. Psalm 111 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Psalm 19.9, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Hebrews 11.6, I'll jump into the New Testament for a second here. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, where does the fear of the Lord come from? It is step one. First step, fear the Lord, right? Why should we fear him? Well, Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to him in faith must first believe that he exists. Okay? There's a lot of people who say, yes, I believe in God, right? 
there's a guy I listen to a lot. His name is Jordan Peterson. He's been asked that question over and over and over again. Do you believe in God? Because if you listen to a lot of the stuff he teaches, he really sounds like he believes in God, right? Uh, he breaks down the Bible in some pretty amazing ways. But when asked whether or not he believes in God, he pulls away from that statement. The reason he pulls away is because the way he explains it is, if I say that I believe in God, like I truly believe that he is real and that he exists, that means something for my life. He says, I, I can't, you can't say you believe in God and have it not matter in your life. He said, so when I'm asked that question in public, he goes, I'm terrified to answer the question. I'm terrified. I sit there and I go, most Christians don't take that view of it. We make belief very, very easy, or we want it to. You know, say this prayer, and then, man, you're in, right? And don't let people experience the fear of the holiness of God, that he is real. Not only is he real, we will have to acknowledge him face to face at some point, right? That's where the fear of the Lord comes from. Um, we're doing, uh, well, we did a little bit of Pilgrim's Progress in uh, my seventh grade uh, class. And at the beginning of the book, um, there's a guy, his name is, is Pilgrim. And then after he comes to Christ, his name switches and he becomes Christian. And it's all about his life. It's, it's, a, uh, it's an allegory for life, right? If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, you should. And they've actually updated the language in it so it's, it's easier to read. It's in like today's language. So uh, if you tried to read it in the old English, you'd be so confused and frustrated, you'd just put it down and never pick it up again. But at the beginning of the book, he's very, very sad because he's, he's read in a book that destruction is coming, right? That God is going to judge wicked people, and he knows he's a wicked person, right? And so what happens is he reads that, and the knowledge of it, puts this tremendous burden on his back. So it's like all of this stuff that he's carrying, this huge weight that he's carrying around with him. And he's, he's depressed, and he's crying all the time, and he keeps trying to tell his family that destruction is coming. You know, I've read it in the book, and now my heart is burdened with this. I have this burden on my back, and I can't get it off. There's nothing I can do about it, right? He ends up meeting a man called Evangelist, who tells him, well, go there. There's a tiny little gate that you need to go through, right? And if you go through that tiny little gate, you can get this burden off your back, right? Beyond the gate is the cross. And when he comes to the cross, the burden falls off, right? Um, we tend not to allow people to feel the burden of their sin because we don't want people to feel bad, right? We don't like it when people feel bad, and so we, we try to shortchange that process where they're realizing that God exists, that he's real. This isn't something I can just put to the side. This is a weight that's on me. And, oh, God, who's going to take this weight from me, right? And that searching and that yearning to have that weight taken off them, sometimes well-meaning people go in there and they try to short-circuit that process, right? You should feel the weight of your sin before a holy God, and you should learn the fear of the Lord. That's where wisdom begins, Right? 
So we have to allow people to feel that, okay? Along with that knowledge, there's fear, right? So that's like a healthy fear that's born out of reverence for God, right? Realizing that he is different from me, and I'm different from him. I'm not like him, right? And so there's that, that healthy fear that we have of God. That's where wisdom begins. Okay. So the question becomes, well, okay, the fear of the Lord is good, and we start there. Uh, but what else do we fear? And people that are in my class, we, we did a whole, we did like a whole exercise of this, and we did a couple of lessons on it, where I started out by saying, does anybody in here have any phobias? Right? Is there anything that, that you guys are just scared of? Like unreason, phobia is like an unreasoning fear. There's no, there's no reason to it. It's just this thing scares me. Um, some of the things that uh, the kids mentioned, uh, the dark, right? People have a fear of the dark. Uh, snakes, bats, spiders, those kinds of things. I'm losing it. There, we're back. Okay. Uh, one person said silence. If things are too quiet, I just, I can't handle it. I don't, I don't like the silence, right? There's this fear that rises up in me in the quiet. Uh, here's one thing, and this is going to be boring for these guys who are in my class, because I've been over this several times with them. Uh, but there were like three separate classes where uh, a, a different person in each class mentioned fear of really big things like huge buildings or somebody mentioned like that bean in downtown Chicago that people go to visit. It's just a huge bean and it's made out of glass and, and everything. Like the thing terrifies me, right? It's, it's, it's too big. It's, there's too much of it there. And so fear of big things was one that came up multiple times, which I find very interesting, but I don't know why. It's just interesting that that's kind of a widespread phobia that people have. So... Uh, but phobias aren't what we're talking about here, okay? Uh, what we're talking about more is like internal fear. What do you fear? And we dug into that, and here's ones that uh, if you're not afraid of snakes or spiders or bats or anything, maybe this is some stuff that, that you can identify with. Um, one of the biggest ones is failure. You have a fear of failure. And... We're not talking about a concern that something might fail, right? When we're talking about fear, what we're talking about is something that paralyzes you. Something that keeps you from moving forward, right? And a feel of fear of failure is a big one. Because like, I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can do this, right? I'm not confident in my abilities. I'm afraid I'm going to fail, and so I do nothing, right? Um, I won't be able to finish. I'm not strong enough, right? I'm a nobody. You know who used that one? Tried to use that one? Moses. He tried to use that one with God. When God called him, he said, who am I? Right? I'm a nobody. And I love, uh, if anybody here knows who Ken Davis is, he's a Christian comedian. He was way more popular, I think, back like in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and he, he talks about Moses saying, I'm a nobody. And he said, when you tell God that you're a nobody, God always says the same thing. 
I know. Right? God doesn't come to you and say, oh, you're not a nobody. Don't say that about yourself. He goes, yeah, I know. Who made you? Right? I know you're a nobody. Right? Typically, that's why God would choose somebody. Because they're a nobody. Right? Because God loves to show who he is through nobodies. Right? So while we all kind of use that excuse, you see here that it doesn't wash. Right? God says, yeah, I know you're a nobody. Right? Why should that stop you? Right? Uh, we can look at, I mean, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. I almost, I almost jumped ahead two paragraphs. I don't want to do that. We want to build up a little bit. Okay, so uh, fear of disappointment. Okay? Uh, that actually, that comes in two different ways. Right? You're afraid you might be disappointed or you're afraid that you might disappoint somebody else. Okay? Those are two huge ones. And especially, you know, I'm dealing with, with high school students. The fear of disappointing somebody is massive with them. You know, I'm going to disappoint my parents. I'm going to disappoint my, my family. I'm going to disappoint my teachers. I'm going to disappoint people around me. Right? I don't want to be a disappointment. Okay? So they stop. And they don't do anything. Right? Um, we all grow out of that by 12th grade, right? So we don't do it anymore. Um, the fear of disappointment can stop you dead in your tracks. Right? You start thinking about, because we all have great imaginations, right? It's something that God has given us. So we can look at a scenario and we can go, okay, what will happen if I start moving forward with this? Right? And then you come up with, a hundred different scenarios of what might happen. You try to look into the future, right? You try to imagine everything that you can. And if you keep coming up with disappointing people, you're not going to move forward because you can't imagine a pathway through where people aren't going to be disappointed in you, okay? That one right there will stop you dead in your tracks. Or maybe it's not going to work out. This seems great. But there's an awful lot of stuff in my life that hasn't worked out, and I'm afraid of being disappointed again, so I'm not going to try. Right? That one also will stop you right where you are. Success. You can fear success. Now, that seems weird, right? Because success is a good thing. It's something we should all want. However, if you experience success and things work out, you're going to have to maintain it, right? So you're like, well, what if, I, what if I level up and I can't sustain it? What if I don't have the endurance to keep it going, right? I think I could probably get this going. I think I could probably have some success in it, but after that, everything's going to change, right? And I'm going to have to endure keeping this thing going, and I don't think I can do it, right? I don't think I can sustain it. Well, that's, that's another fear, right? That's another fear that will actually stop you. You can look at something and go, I think I probably could, but I don't think I can sustain it. So that's a non-starter, right? I'm not, I'm not going to do anything about that because I don't think I can sustain the success. Not good enough, not talented enough, right? All of those things, those, those really super negative thoughts that you might have, 
those will stop you. These fears can cause paralysis. They become our focus and begin to grow until they're all we see, right? So as I'm up here, it's not as, it's not as easy to do uh, because the lights are on, right? They're all kind of shining at you. Um, but if you have like a fear of, of public speaking, uh, this, is a, this is a great trick. You don't talk to a group, right? You talk to an individual. And you'll see me as I talk, I, I kind of go here, I go here and I go here and over here, right? And you just kind of, you hit different quadrants, right? And it's because, okay, so I'm, I'm a little different. I would much rather be up in front of a thousand people than a very small group. Because the thousand people become fame, uh, uh, faceless, right? It's not I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk to an individual. It's just this big mass. And I actually prefer that. Uh, most people find that the prospect of speaking to that many people absolutely terrifying. Because... Well, let's see, a thousand people, that's 2,000 eyes staring at everything that's wrong with me, right? It's, I am, I'm the focus of 2,000 eyes, and it's too much. I don't want people seeing me that much, right? I don't want that much attention. I don't want that many eyes focused on me. Uh, but as you, as you go around and you talk, it's, it's good to, you know, find an individual to talk to, right? And if you can actually see them, and like, I can't hardly see anybody, while I'm up here, because the lights are here. Uh, but you can actually see if what you are saying is kind of landing with people, right? And so that's a really, it's a really neat trick to use. Um, but what would happen to me if I just focused on one person, right? Say Mary. I'm just going to focus on her. Everybody else is going to go away, and I'm just going to focus on Mary, right? What happens is... Mary starts to become bigger and bigger and bigger to me, right? And this is exactly what we do with our fears. You imagine it, and then you think up a really horrible scenario, right? And instead of pushing that out of your mind, you focus in on it, right? Well, this could go wrong. And then you go, well, if that goes wrong, something else could go wrong, right? And you can, you can think of a hundred ways to make it worse, Right? And so you get into this thing where you start to cycle through all of these horrible scenarios in your head and you just go, well, this is hopeless. Well, it's not hopeless. You just put blinders on and you said, well, all I'm going to look at is how this, can, how this can not work out, right? And that fear gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then you go, there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no possible way that this can work out. And so you do nothing right? That's how fear paralyzes you. It becomes bigger than it should be, you focus in on it, and you're done, right? So when we focus, the thing, the thing we focus on becomes all we see. So here's the kind of good news today, all right? These are some things that hopefully can help put your fears to rest. Like a whole, whole list of them here. So if you want to write them down, you better write quick. <clears throat> You're not good enough. You're not talented enough. You don't know enough. You will absolutely fail in one way or another. I promise you're going to fail at some point 
at something. You will be disappointed, and you will disappoint others. As you succeed, the pressure to keep getting better and to maintain it is definitely there. People will let you down either by what they do or by what they fail to do. That is a certainty. That is going to happen. And some will even be evil in their intentions toward you. Okay? Now, is that good news? Well, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. At least it should. We're all in the same boat, right? There isn't any no-lose scenario in life. Not one. Uh, I told my students, like our first class, and I said it to every single one of them, I guarantee you 100% I am going to fail you at some point this year. I guarantee it. I'm going to be insensitive. I'm not going to notice what you need. Or if I do notice what you need, I'm going to fail to give it to you. Right? I will maybe discipline you when you don't deserve it. Maybe because you were near somebody that you shouldn't have been near. Right? So you're going to catch it when you didn't deserve it. Right? All of these things are absolutely 100% going to happen. Okay? I promise you this is going to happen. Not because I want to. It's not my intention to go out there and fail or to get things wrong or to screw somebody's life up or something like that, right? I want to go into it saying, okay, this is the way things are, right? This is how life is. People disappoint you. You disappoint other people. We fail, right? You try something new, you're going to fail, right? You ever, anybody here pick up golf and get it right the first time? No, of course not. Anytime you try to do anything new, you say, well, I'm pretty withdrawn, right? I'm a really, I'm a really private person, and I'm, I have a lot of social anxiety. I don't like talking to people, right? The first time you actually decide I'm going to step out and I'm going to talk to somebody new, it's probably going to be pretty awkward because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say, Right? So you go out and you do it and you walk away and you go, that couldn't have gone any worse. You know? I, just, you know, I said a whole bunch of things that I don't even, didn't even understand what was coming out of my mouth the whole time I was doing it, right? And they were looking at me weird and now I feel stupid and, and all of that stuff. But if you've made the commitment to start doing that, I'm going to be more, I'm gonna be more social, right? I'm going to start reaching out to people. You're going to screw it up the first couple of times. Rest assured, Right? But then, you notice what you should and you shouldn't do, and then you start practicing those things, and you get better and you get better and better with it, right? That's the way life is. That's the way life works, okay? So, if all of this uh, seems pessimistic, which it could seem that way. I'm just trying to be, you know, in reality. But it may seem a little pessimistic. Um, I do have a challenge for you uh, for, like, next week. If it seems pessimistic or a distortion of what the Bible teaches, take some time this week. Find me one Bible story that is not touched by one or all of the things I just mentioned. Just one. Okay? It's not touched by disappointment or betrayal or tragedy or evil or any of that stuff. Find me 
won. Okay? You're not going to get a prize. You'll get some satisfaction out of proving me wrong. But that goes throughout the entire Bible. I read from Hebrews chapter 11, right? Uh, you guys read the Hall of Faith, right? All the people that are our Bible heroes. You ever go through and look at those people? What their lives were like? Murderers, perverts, every single one of them had all kinds of horrible stuff. Not only that was done to them, but things that they did, right? And it's because they were people, and that's the way people are, right? So if we want to get over our fears, um, we can't just say that all of those things aren't true because we all experience all of that stuff, right? We all experience it. We all do it, right? So let's look at uh, one of our heroes real quick here. His name was Abraham. And we're not going to go back and look at uh, necessarily the Old Testament story from him. Uh, I want to just focus in on what the New Testament says about him in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. <coughs> and that says, Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Now, as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So, this comes out of the, the story where God appears to Abraham and he says, I'm going to, uh, you're going to have a son, and um, I'm going to open Sarah's womb, because she was way past the age of having children, right? I mean, he's 100 years old at this point. They're both way past the age of having children, and God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm making you a promise that you are going to have a son. Uh, anybody know the time period between the promise and when he, they actually had the child? Hmm? It was, it was over 20. Over 20 years, right? God makes a promise. They're already too old, right? And then it's like 20-some years later, where she finally gets pregnant and has a child, right? 20-some years. How many of us would have held on for 20? Well, God said it, right? But it's been, I don't know, what is it? it's been 12 years, right? <laughs> 12 years. That's a long, long time to be waiting on a promise. But it says here, he contemplated his own body. The word for contemplated is to take note of, to perceive, uh, consider carefully, discern, detect, make an account of, okay? So what Abraham did was he took the promise, which was impossible, right? It's not possible that it would happen. And he didn't just say, well, I'm not going to worry about the impossibility of it. Right? No, he focused in on the impossibility of it. Right? He considered it. He fully went through the scenario and went, look, I'm too old, and Sarah's definitely too old for this to happen. Then, as the years went on, he gets to year 15, and he goes, I'm older than I was when I first started this. Sarah's older than she was when we got the promise. And it says he didn't waver 
in his faith that God would do what it was he said he would do. Now, they had a major hiccup, right? With Hagar, and Sarah's like, look, this isn't happening. Maybe you should take Hagar and you can have a child through, through her, right? And that would be the heir. Uh, all of this stuff blowing up in the Middle East right now, it all goes back to that story, right? Ishmael and Isaac, the whole thing. Who's the child of promise, right? One side says, well, he was the firstborn. The other one says, but he's the child of promise, right? All this back and forth, that's what's been going on since that happened. But it says Abraham didn't waver in his faith. Even while he was heeding the voice of his wife to go into Hagar and have a son through her, he still believed in his heart that God was going to do what it was he said he was going to do. Okay? Abraham, in that instance, failed. Right? But it says internally he never wavered in his faith. He never wavered in the belief. Right? But he considered the implications of all of it. Well, what does that mean for us? Usually the way, I say we because I've done this over and over and over again in my life, is that I don't want to face my fears. I would much rather, if not run away, ignore that they're there. That's typically, I mean, maybe, I think that's probably typical of people. It's not that we just completely run away from our fears. It's that we refuse to acknowledge that they're there, right? I'm going to think about something else. I'm going to get distracted with something else. The fact that you're not good enough, that you're not talented enough, you're going to fail, right? We don't really dig into it and we don't really consider all of it, right? Because if we did, we're afraid to face it because it will just make the fear worse, right? The thing that really happens, though, is with God, is kind of what happened with Abraham. He thought about the impossibility of it, right? And he worked it through in his mind. It wasn't just a fleeting thing where he goes, well, I'm not just not going to think about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm 100 years old and she's... But he didn't push it to the side. He brought it into focus, right? And said, what's the worst thing that can happen? Then he dealt with it, and he said, I'm going to believe anyway. This is impossible. I'm believing anyway. Right? So he settled the matter in his heart. So that's how we're supposed to deal with our fears. Right? Uh, the fear of disappointment. Well, what's going to happen if, I'm, if I disappoint everybody? Coming from a life where I've disappointed an awful lot of people could be worse. Right? You think about the worst thing that can happen? Fail in front of everybody and have everybody know that you failed? You can get over that. You can recover. Right? But the fear of failure keeps people from moving forward. Right? And sometimes we focus so much on that fear that it stops us right where we are. I think we are probably going to stop there. Uh, <clears throat> I will say, next week is nothing but good news. <laughs> All right?
Nothing but good news. This week, though, I do have a challenge for you guys. Um, don't avoid your fear. Take some time this week. Think about the things that are in front of you that God wants from you. You know what they are. If you say, well, I don't know. I don't know what God wants from me. That's not true. Think about it. Think about it for about two seconds. God will bring something to your mind that he wants you to do. Think about what is stopping you. So we did, a, we did an exercise with uh, the, the kids, and we did it right at the beginning of the year. I said, for grades 7, no, grades 9 through 11, said, what do you want from the next year? Okay? At the end of the year, what do you want your life to look like? Okay? So they had to write that down. Then, what are the things that you're going to have to do to make that possible? Write them down, right? Next, think about the ways you get in your own way. How do you sabotage yourself? Not how do people in general do it. How do you do it? Spend too much time on YouTube or TikTok or whatever it is that you're doing, how much time you waste. We did a cost analysis on that, how much time they waste, what their time is worth, and how much they're throwing away in a year. That was interesting. Um, so think about the things you do to get in your own way. And then, what is your life going to look like at the end of the year if you allow all that stuff to happen? What's your worst case scenario, right? How horrible is your life going to be? The 12th graders had to do three to five years from now because their time, because they're graduating, their time horizon is longer, right? They got to think about more things, right? So how are you going to manage your drug and alcohol usage and all that stuff, okay? Um, <clears throat> so they had to map all this stuff out. And the trick was at the end of it was the worst case scenario, Right? And we had to talk about that a little bit. Your worst case scenario shouldn't be right here. Right? That can't be all you think about is your worst case scenario because it produces too much fear and it keeps you immobile. Right? If you look at how horrible your life could be in a year, if you did everything you could to completely screw it up, you won't move forward because the fear will stop you. Right? You make it clear and then you get that thing behind you. Right? So you have, you have goals and you have a path forward and you know the things that are going to get in your way and then you have your failure chasing you. Pushing you forward, not standing in your way. Right? Uh, this actually, it's a, it's a modified uh, version of a, something called a future authoring program. Something I wish I would have had in high school. You know, it's just, you're, and you're only going to hit it with you know, you're not going to be very accurate because what do you know, right? But at least you have a plan moving forward. That's the biggest trick, though, for people is getting that fear behind them, chasing them. I don't want to go there. That is backwards, right? So that is someplace I absolutely do not want to go. And if you can look at it that way, it actually spurs you forward rather than getting in your way and going, there's no way I can, I can't move forward. I'm blocked, right? So... For you guys, this week, take a look at that. What are you doing to get in your own way? 
right? You, you in particular, for you. I don't need a report because this is individual. I've got my own ways that I get in my way, right? So think about that. And then next week when we get together, uh, I promise, all good news. But remember this week, we're all in the same boat. We all have these fears that rise up and try to stop us, right? The key is to get behind it and think about it. If fear didn't stop us, what could we do? What could you do? All right, Lord, uh, Father, I thank you for this time. And, and Lord, uh, I just pray a blessing on the people in this building, those, those listening at home, Lord God. And Father, I pray that we would, uh, that we would get deadly serious about this, Father. Um, Father, there's so much in this world that wants to stop us from moving forward in you. And Lord, uh, Lord, we have an enemy that's working against us. Lord, we have uh, uh, a sin-saturated environment, Father, that is working against us. And Lord, we just get in our own way all the time, Lord. Father, help us to, uh, to identify those things. And Lord God, uh, I pray just peace over everybody here. Lord, I pray that uh, looking at this will not raise anxiety, but Father, that uh, everyone here, Lord, will understand that uh, we're all in the same boat. And Lord, every, everything we deal with is common to man. I thank you for this time, and I bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.